take you. Because there's no better place to be, especially in the world we're living in today, being in the hands of Jesus Christ. I remember old Sister Winnie Stevens used to tell me, I don't know how people get by in this world without Jesus. I don't know how they do it, Brother Keegan. I don't either, sister. I don't know how they're doing it. She was 90 years old when she said that. I think she's had time around this world to know the difference between being with the, without Jesus and being without Jesus. I'm only in my 50s, and I can tell you now, it's a different world without Jesus Christ. It's a totally different world. All right, Revelation chapter 15. Revelation chapter 15. Got all kinds of visuals for you this morning. I'm going to keep doing all these different visuals. Before long, I'll have like a camel and an elephant in the room and everything else, you know. Have clowns, bring in a circus and everything else. So, we're starting Revelation 15. And you've got to understand the book of Revelation. When you're studying the book of Revelation, what you're studying is the second coming of Jesus Christ. But you're also studying God pouring his wrath out on mankind. That's the main theme of the book of Revelation is God Pouring his wrath out on mankind. That's lost man. Not on, his, not on Christ, not on the bride of Christ, not on the church, but on lost man. Israel's a part of that, and Israel's a part of this Jacob's trouble. And if you study out Revelation, what you'll find out, in the first coming of Jesus Christ, there were four different separate accounts. And we were studying the Gospel of Luke this morning, and we found out we had to go to the Gospel of Mark to understand what was going on in the Gospel of Luke, but we figured it out. But the truth is, you need all four separate accounts of Jesus Christ. It's four biographical accounts of Jesus Christ, his ministry and his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You get those four. So when you get to the second coming of Jesus Christ, this detailed in the book of Revelation, you're going to have four separate accounts. And you need all four of those accounts, to, and you kind of compare them to understand what's going on. And we'll see that later on this morning. But chapters 1 through 8, you got the seven seals. That's the first, that's the first account of Jesus coming. In chapters 8 through 11, you got, it's given in seven trumpets. Seven angels are blowing seven trumpets. Chapters 12 through 14 is seven personages. By personages, what I mean by that is the Antichrist, the, the woman, that's, the woman with, that has the stars over her head, You've got the dragon, you've got the false prophet, you've got seven different personages different, uh, that are personified uh, out in chapters 12 through 14. And then finally, and we're starting this morning in chapter 15, we're going to get through the final account, and we're, it's going to be given to us in seven vials. And it's going to be given to us in seven vials. So and there is more than 19 chapters in Revelation. We're going to study all the chapters. But when we get to Revelation chapter 19, that's the final account. That's Jesus Christ coming back. And I can't wait to get to that chapter. That's going to be a humdinger. I can't wait. Look at chapter 15, though. Look at chapter 15. Revelation chapter 15. Revelation chapter 15, verse 1. And this is John. John's writing this as he's seeing it, as the Lord commanded him to do. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll guide us and direct us this morning, Lord, into your word. Help us understand it, Lord God. I pray, Father, that anything that's shown up on the screen, Lord, will be pleasing you. Lord, if it isn't, let it fall on blind eyes, Lord God. If I say anything that's displeasing you, Lord, I pray it fall on deaf ears, Lord. I pray you hide me behind the cross, Lord. But, Lord, I pray, Father, that you'll 
uh, put a hedge of protection around every heart in this room, Lord God, that the devil can't come in and take that word, Lord. But help us, Lord, to open up your word, Lord God, and to read it, to believe it. And, Lord, through your Holy Spirit to understand it. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. So it says that these are the last plagues, and those last plagues we're going to see are going to be seven vials. And it says it's the last plagues of what? Of the wrath of God. So I told you already this theme of Revelation is God's wrath being poured out on mankind. It's the wrath of God. Now, we know according to Thessalonians that we're not appointed unto the wrath to come. That's not appointed unto us. That's 1 Thessalonians 1.10. We believers escape the wrath to come. Well, how do we escape that, Pastor? We get raptured out of here. That's the whole point of the rapture is God has to pull out the righteous. We're righteous in God's eyes before he pours his wrath out. It's all through the Bible like that. God couldn't send the flood until he put Noah in the ark. And the Bible says God closed the ark and then the rain came and killed everybody with the flood. Same way with Lot. Lot's in Sodom and Gomorrah. God comes down with the angels, and the angels say, Get out. We've got to get you out because we can't do nothing until you get out. And as soon as Lot was brought out of Sodom and Gomorrah, then he rained fire and brimstone. All through the Bible like that. God's not going to judge the righteous with the unrighteous. And you're only righteous because of Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's the importance of the rapture. This is the wrath of God. Verse 2, And I saw as it were a sea of glass. There's that, there's that crystal sea sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten the victory over the beast over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God and they sing the song of Moses the servant of God and the song of the lamb these are obviously post-tribulation saints there's a post-tribulation rapture and I preached on that where there's a rapture in the beginning before the tribulation period, and there appears to be a rapture at the very end of the tribulation period where God pulls out some more of those tribulation saints because they're mixed faith and works salvation here. They sing the song of Moses. That's a song of works, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. That's faith, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. Another theme of the Bible and Revelation is God's holiness. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle, the testimony of heaven was opened. There's that temple in heaven, and it's opened up, and John sees it. Verse 6, And the seven angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. Verse 7. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials, full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. These vials would be just like a pot, and it would, a lot like what's up on that piano right there. And it's just full, it's described as being full of the wrath of God. And these angels, as we're going to see, are going to come, and they're going to just pour these vials out on earth as God's wrath is poured out on lost man. Verse 8, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God, and from His power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. There's chapter 15. Let's move on to Revelation 16. Revelation 16, verse 1. I've hit on a lot of these themes in Revelation 15, so I'm not going to go back over them. If you go, you can find some of those up on Facebook or YouTube or whatever where I preached on it. 
Verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 1. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sword. Noisome, noisome is uh, akin to smelly, like a nose. It's smelly. It smells really bad. So this is something that smells really bad. It fell a noisome or it smells really bad and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. Uh, that sounds a lot like leprosy. That, le- that verse 2 there, grievous sore and noisome, sounds like leprosy. You know what else is like leprosy? is AIDS. AIDS is a lot like leprosy. And it sounds like that's some kind of sore. If you have that mark of the beast, these sores are going to come up all over your body. And they're going to be very grievous and they're going to be really stinky. And you're going to smell really bad. It's going to be nasty. And that's what God's doing with that first vial as he pours it out. Verse 3. And the second angel poured out the vial upon the sea. And it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. Died in the sea. That's kind of crazy. What's interesting about this is when you get, when we get to, and I'll, I'll, I'll show you, when we get to Revelation 20 at the great white throne judgment, it says that the dead are raised up and the dead that are in the sea are raised up. When you get to Revelation chapter 21, the Bible says there'll be no more sea. He's going to do away with the seas on the new heavens and the new earth. There'll be no more sea. So it appears that maybe somebody's trying to hide under the sea and he's killing them with that blood, turning that water, that sea, into blood. That seawater is kind of useless. You can't drink it. It's, it's salty. And for verse 4, just in case you want to try to drink it, and the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, uh, angel of the waters say, now notice that the waters, uh, God's got angels over waters. He has angels over the Euphrates, Euphrates River. God puts angels over this church. There's an angel over this church. God's got his angels over uh, spiritual. These are spiritual beings. We can't see them with our eyes unless they want us to see them. They're over different things. He's got them over the water. See there? And I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be. That speaks to the resurrection. Because thou hast judged us. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. And thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy, worthy to get what's coming to them. This world is full of nothing but violence and blood and murder. You see uh, the world, especially America, is full of nothing but abortions. And you've got the blood of babies all on this land, and God's going to pay us back. We have it coming. We're worthy of it. Verse 7, I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty. You see the Trinity in there? Lord God Almighty. True and righteous are thy judgments. And the fourth angel that went the vial poured out his vial upon the sun. And the power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him the glory. So the sun gets hot, gets really, really hot. Now, scientists tell us, and they keep warning us that there's solar flares in the sun. And now that we can study the sun really close, we see these solar flares. And they're claiming these solar flares are going to knock out the Internet. And they not, might knock out electricity. They might scorch the earth. And we're seeing this 2,000 years ago. There was a prophecy that's what's going to happen. 
And when we get to the millennial kingdom, and I'll do a study and preach on the millennial kingdom, the Bible says in the millennial kingdom, the sun is going to shine seven times as hot as it does now. It's going to be seven times as bright in the millennial kingdom. And I'll show you those verses. But if it's seven times as hot right then, there needs to be something to cover you up, to help you out. But not these, pe these people don't get it. They get scorched. It's like a verse 9 sounds like Texas right there. Men were scorched with great heat. <laughs> I remember when I brought Brother Chad and Christy down. She was going on. She goes, it's so pleasant down here. It's so pleasant. I think they came down in April, right? And, and I, I, we drove up there to, uh, what's that, Enchanted Rock there near Fredericksburg, near Lano. Took them up to Enchanted Rock. We climbed up on that big rock. She's like, man, it's so pleasant here. I want to move down to Texas. It's so nice. And I'm like, yeah, just give us a couple of months. And you, you won't be up on this big old rock here. At, you know, you can come up, and there won't be a soul up here because it would be 110 degrees. That's what it sounds like. And the men were scorched with great heat. Great heat. And they blasphemed God. Verse 10, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. So the Antichrist has a seat. Where is that seat? We've studied it out. It looks like it's going to be in Babylon, but it looks like Babylon moves around. That's kind of a mystery. But it does say Mystery Babylon in there. And I think uh, Babylon's going to be a mothership of some alien kind or something. And that's just my speculation. That's nothing I can uh, uh, prove 100%. Verse 10, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain. That's a lot of pain to be gnawing on your tongue. Darkness. You know we're living in Darkness. Jesus Christ came into this world, and the Bible says that Jesus was the light of the world. And in him is no darkness. And I'm telling you, when you have Jesus Christ, he starts living in you, and that's the light of the world. Jesus Christ says you don't put a candle under a bush. You don't hide. You put a candle up on a candlestick. You want the whole world to see it. So the Lord that's in us, we want him to shine out of us. We want the whole world, we want the whole world to be able to see us. And what we want the world not to see us, we want the world to see Jesus Christ in us, not the darkness of the world. They blasphemed God, verse 11, and blasphemed the God of heaven before because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. And instead of repenting and saying, no, I'm wrong and God's right and God has a right to judge me, instead of saying that, they're like, I hate you, God, I hate you. And they have it coming. Instead of admitting that they're wrong, they blame God. There's a lot of people like that in this world. God gives us principles in this book. And if you live in America, I can't speak for everybody else in the world, but if you live in America, a lot of the principles of this book, not stealing, not lying, a lot of the principles of this book, uh, being kind, loving one another, they're found in this book. And we're, we're raised as a young man or woman with those principles from this book. And when a young man or one woman, young woman gets away from the principle of this book and their life falls apart and they go down to the bottom of the barrel, instead of admitting, you know what, I should have followed what God had shown me to do, they blame God. Trust me, I get it as a minister. Why is God doing this to me? Why did this happen to my life? Well, God gave you a free will, and you destroyed your life. Instead of following what he told you to do, he gave you a choice, and you didn't follow. Don't blame God. He told you. I know you're going to anyway, amen. Christians do that, right? I mean, I'm in here by myself. I had one amen. Y'all Christians, y'all don't ever blame God for stuff? I'm a pastor and I do all the time. I say, Lord, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? I had to question God. And I had to watch myself and say, Lord, not my will, 
but your will be done. Doesn't make sense to me, Lord, why you're doing that, but not my will. Your will be done, Lord. Verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. All right, we're going to go to the transparency now. So, if you remember this, we've studied this in Revelation 9. If you can turn to Revelation 9, we're going to look at that again. Turn to Revelation 9. because we're, we're going to compare these two together. Revelation 9. So, this is one of the best maps I can find. A lot of maps you find are so... There's so, uh, so much detail to them, you can't really read them out. But I think this is a good enough one here, you can kind of read it out best we can. So there in verse, uh, look at verse Revelation 9. So that was the sixth angel. Remember, sixth angel, number six, that was the sixth vial. So in Revelation chapter 9, look at verse 14. If you're in Revelation 9, look at verse 14 if you're following along. So remember what I've been teaching you about Revelation. It's, it's a retelling. It's a retelling. It's a retelling. Mark retells Matthew. Luke retells Matthew, Mark. John retells Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's a retelling of the story of Jesus Christ's first coming. So what you got in the book of Revelations, you've got seven seals and then the seven trumpets retell what's going on with the seven seals and the seven personages retell what's going on with the seven trumpets and the seven vows. We're here in chapter 9. are going to retell you what happened. So the sixth, trump, sixth vow lines up with the sixth trumpet Look at Revelation chapter 9, verse 14, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day, and a month and a year, for to slay the third part of men. That's a lot of men. Verse 16, And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand. And I heard the number of them. So John heard the number, said so that's 200,000 thousand man. That's 200 million. 200,000 thousand is 200 million. So go back to Revelation 16. So that river's dried up. And that river's dried up so the ways of the kings of the east might be made. And we say, we've seen there that's a 200 million man army. We, we compare scripture to scripture, that's a 200 million man army. The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up. There we go again. And the way, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Well, what's east? Here's, you can't even see it up here. Here's this little bitty nation called Israel. Right here. Little bitty pink dot right here. Here's the rest of the Middle East in the eastern part of the world right here. Here's little Israel. No, really no bigger than Rhode Island. And the whole world looks at this little nation right now. It's amazing. Just like the Bible said they would. They look right up there. So what the kings of the east, east of Israel, would be Iraq, Iran, Russia, China, India. China by themselves can gather together a 200 million man army. They couldn't 2,000 years ago. That was a prophecy. That prophecy you read where it says a 200 million man army, that was not possible 2,000 years ago, but today, right now, in 2023, they have a 200 million man army. Do you know who's doing war games together since 2003? This nation up here called Russia and this nation called China. You know who was shaking hands not too long? You know when Biden was bringing in all these celebrities to the White House and falling and tripping, doing all the things Biden was doing? At that same time, Russia and China were together shaking hands, making agreements. With this country right down here, Saudi Arabia, 
and Iran and Iraq are making agreements. They're all getting into agreements. And America's on the other side of the globe. Do, 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 do. Do, do, do. Let's vote Biden in again. Do, do, do. And they're thinking about taking over the world. And we're worried about flying colorful flags in June for Pride Month. And they're over here getting ready to kill everybody. We're, we're going to run out all the transgenders and, you know, combat. Like, let's, they got the, we, got, we got our military saluting the pride, uh, pride flag. Makes you want to throw up in your mouth. This is ridiculous. This is the world right here. We're about to get wiped off. Thank God you're Christians. We're Christians first before we're Americans. Amen. I love this country. I do I love this country. But when I see the country doing what's wrong, I'm going to call it out. Making way for the kings of the east to come over here to the Battle of Armageddon. Here's the Euphrates River. It's this, I put this, it's not drawn on this map, but I, I crudely drew a, a blue line right here. This little blue line shows you River Euphrates. So for this army to get over here, the Bible says it's, this is going to dry up so this army can get over here and the Battle of Armageddon can take place. That's what's going on. Verse 13, let's move on. We'll, get we'll, we'll talk more about the battle of Armageddon when we get there. Verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth into the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty. So these, these spirits... They're coming out of, unclean spirits are coming out of the false, the dragon, the beast, the false prophet. That's the beast being the antichrist. These frogs are, there's like frogs coming out of their mouth. He sees them as frogs hopping out. And they're unclean spirits and they're doing miracles. And what they're doing is they're gathering all these nations right here to come against Israel. That's what they're doing against God's people. That's what the Bible says here. For they are the spirit of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle. Of that great day of God Almighty. So what's interesting about this, turn to Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel chapter, go all the way back to Ezekiel. He described those as being frogs. He described those unclean spirits as frogs. Frogs are like unclean spirits. Unclean spirits are like frogs. It's right there in your Bible. You've seen it. So Ezekiel chapter 1, uh, start there at verse 5. So Ezekiel has a vision, and it's more than a vision. He actually sees God coming from the north, and God comes to the north to talk to Ezekiel. And when God shows up, he brings these cherubims. He brings, he brings these weird creatures with him. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 5. And also out of the midst thereof, Look at verse 4 to get the, get the context. Look at verse 4. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it. And out of the midst, of there, midst thereof is the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. This is what I have up on the screen. Kind of have the likeness of a man. Verse 6, and everyone had four faces, and everyone had four wings. So they had four faces, and there's four wings, and you see it drawn up here. Verse 7, and their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot, and that's drawn up here. 
and they sparkle like the color of burnished brass. So it kind of looks kind of shiny and bright like that. Verse 8, And they had the hands of a man under the wings on their four sides, and they four had their faces and their wings. And their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went every one straight forward. Now verse 10 is it. Here it is. And as for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man. The face of a lion on the right side. And the four had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. There was four. So this cherubim shows up, this weird creature cherubim shows up with God. There's four of them, and all four of them have four faces. And they have a face of a lion, the face of a man, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. Kind of look a little bit like that. So when you study out the Gospels, all those represent Jesus Christ. And I've gone through this before, and I don't have time to go through it right now. But all four of these represent Jesus Christ out of the Gospels. The lion, the servant, the son of man, and John as the eagle or as the son of God. God represents as an eagle, the son of God. That kind of gives you a rundown. So you have these cherubim show up, and there's eagle, the, the great eagle represents the birds, the lion represents the beast of the land, the ox represents the tame beast, the domesticated beast, that ox, that man, of course, represents mankind. So all the creatures of the world are represented in this cherubim that points to Jesus Christ. Now turn to Ezekiel chapter 10. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 10. I'm going somewhere with this. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 14. Let me show you this and then we'll talk about it. Because something's, something's missing, is my point. Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 14. Everyone had four faces. The first face, he sees these, he sees these creatures again. Look at verse 14. Everyone had four faces. The first face, the face of a cherub. So he replaces the ox with a cherub, which shows you that a cherub, a cherubim looks like an ox. An ox looks like a cherubim. And the second face was the face of a man, the third the face of a lion, the fourth, fourth the face of an eagle. And the cherubims, verse 15, were lifted up. This is the living creature that I saw by the river Chabar. He's saying this is what I saw back in Ezekiel chapter 1 that we just read. So these are cherubims. See that verse 15? And the cherubims were lifted up. So a cherubim has this weird appearance. I showed you like that. And a close-up of it there, of the birds, the beasts, the tame beasts, the humankind, all represented. Somebody's not represented by these cherubim. That's the fifth cherub. Amphibians and reptiles are not represented there. The domesticated animals, the the lion is the king of the beasts. He's represented. The eagle is the king of the birds. The birds are represented. So you got birds represented. You got the tame beast, the wild beast. You got mankind represented. But the amphibians and reptiles are not represented there. Are not represented. Now turn to Ezekiel chapter 28. I'll show you why. Why I believe they're not represented. And noticing that, we, knew, we noticed that they're not represented there, but we noticed that in Revelation chapter 16 that an unclean spirit's likened unto a frog. So it's like a frog coming out of their mouth, out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Look at Ezekiel. I got the scripture up here, Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14. 
Now this chapter 28, these verses here are famous as being verses about Lucifer, about Satan. They rep, they're, they're showing you a prophecy of what happened with Satan and, and uh, Lucifer. And it describes him. And it says in verse 14 about him. Well, look at verse 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Satan inside of him has musical instruments. He's got tabrets and pipes in him. Satan's a musical instrument. It appears that this cherub, Satan, the fifth cherub, because there's four cherubs that show up with God, he's the fifth cherub. It appears that he was the musical director of heaven. He led the musical choir of heaven. He led the angels in glorifying God because he had musical tabrets and pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. But he is a created being. Verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub. See, he's a cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so, thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. Satan is that fifth cherub. And it looks and appears that Satan represented the reptiles and the amphibians as that fifth cherub. And that would be snakes, alligators, lizards, turtles... All the kinds of snakes and lizards and reptiles you can think of is represented there. All the snakes, rattlesnakes, cobras, coral snakes. All that was what Satan represented. And the reason why we believe that is, and of course dragons too. Because uh, Satan was called in Revelation 12. Remember Satan was called the dragon. Our adversary, the dragon. Also in Job, Satan is represented by Leviathan, a fire-breathing dragon that lives in the ocean. Leviathan. That's a reptile. All those are representations of the devil. So it appears the devil represented those creatures, reptiles, amphibians, snakes. That would also include fish. It's interesting how Christ said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. That means that, if, uh, that a lost man or woman is, is like a fish until they're saved and they're pulled out. Where, where are they pulled out of? Pulled out of the ocean, the sea that God's going to do away with. There's a lot of type in there, brothers and sisters. Lots of types in there. Uh, look at verse... Are you still in Ezekiel 28? Look at this one. Yeah, yeah. look at verse 16. By the multitude of thy merchandise, thy, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned. Talking about Satan. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. And he was, that's Isaiah 14. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub. From the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. See, it's a heart problem. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. Now, I'm, not, I'm only speaking for me. I can't speak for everybody in this room. But to me, there's nothing more pretty or beautiful than the reptiles and the colors of fish. And I, I chose this picture because if you ever go to an aquarium, it's beautiful. The colors God's given the fish. And you go to and the colors that God, some of the colors God's given some of the snakes. Some of the snakes and stuff. And that show, if you look at that, that description of Satan there, at the, the fifth cherub, he was, he was full of his brightness. He had the beauty. He's lifted up because of his beauty. Dinosaurs. That would also include dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are nothing but... Dinosaur literally means terrible lizard. It's a reptile. 
Okay, so whenever you look at the, rep, the story of Genesis chapter 3 of Adam and Eve, turn there, because we've got a little bit of time. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're getting close to being done. Genesis chapter 3. So Satan is that fifth cherub. He represents the snakes, the lizards, the amphibians, dragons. I was into the occult before I got saved. I didn't get saved until I was about 17. I was into the occult. I was into Satan worship and uh, trying to conjure up demons. I had a satanic Bible I had stole from a, from a local bookstore. I was into witchcraft. I had a witchcraft book I had found. I was really into that stuff. But what I know, I can tell you about the occult is this. When you get into the occult, they're all about snakes and dragons and frogs and lizards and reptiles. Rings and necklaces and earrings and all of that. That's what you see when you get into the occult. Now, Genesis chapter 3, we know the story. Verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. The serpent, which he said, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So the first words recorded by Satan as a serpent was, Are you sure that's what God said? You sure? Amen. To doubt. Doubt the words of God. But notice something, guys. Because here's, I threw this picture up here because this is a good representation of what a lot of people feel happened at the Garden of Eden. You have the snake. You have the serpent comes up here. And there she, he's offering up the, the, the fruit. And there's Eve. And she's being tempted by the serpent. And there's nothing wrong with that being in your mind. But that's not necessarily what the Bible describes. It calls him a serpent. And we know a serpent now after God cursed the serpent. Look down at verse 14. After this happens, God curses the serpent. He puts a curse on man. He puts a curse on the woman. She's got to, she's got to deliver in childbirth and be in sorrow. Look at verse 14, though. He curses the serpent. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. When y'all see a serpent today, y'all see a snake today, a serpent, that's after he's been cursed. Before he was cursed, what did he look like? What did he look like? Makes you wonder what he looked like. Might not have looked like the snake we know today. Might not look like the snake we know today. So aliens are a real big topic in the world today, and if you look at uh, what people believe aliens look like, what they claim they're being seen, they just had a ship crash in Las Vegas. People claim they've seen eight-foot eight aliens. I don't know if y'all heard any about that. Of course, one is all, this stuff happens, nobody has a cell phone on them. Yeah, I know, I heard y'all. Yeah, see, that's how, y'all are just like me. Like, where's your cell phone? Everybody in this church has a cell phone. You, you can't at least take a picture or something. But the point is, the point is, is they always try to represent aliens looking like this, right? Look like this. Like a reptile. And I put the frog up there. A lot like a reptile. Satanic, brothers and sisters. It's all satanic. Let's go back to Revelation. Let's finish off. Let's finish off. It's all satanic. And if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you'll see this stuff in the world. It doesn't surprise you when you see that aliens are being represented as being reptiles. <laughs> You go on YouTube or go on to some of these places when they talk about conspiracies. 
The big conspiracy is that the that uh, that all the government, all our U.S. government's run by reptiles. You ever heard that? And they got videos where they they're wearing all these reptiles are wearing masks, like Biden and all, and, and Nancy Pelosi is wearing masks. You remember whenever Trump was up there giving his State of the Union address or whatever, and Pelosi was mad and she was ripping up that speech behind him. Y'all ever watch that video? If you ever watch that speech, she's doing this with her tongue. Watch it. I'm not lying. She's sticking her tongue out the whole time. And I thought, ooh, a reptile. She's a reptile. She's a reptile. Now, I'm not trying to say I believe that, brothers and sisters. I'm not saying I believe that. But I'm trying to show you that you got the Bible, and if you study your Bible, it's amazing when you start seeing a Satan is representing these snakes and dragons and leviathans and reptiles and everything, and they're saying these aliens look a lot like what he's representing. It's not aliens, it's demons is what they're saying. So you see there, let's close out. Let's close out this one last thing. Revelation chapter 16, verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs, and we did that study. Come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, mouth of the false prophet. So, if you study your Bible out and you study the Lord God, the Lord God is a trinity. The Lord God is a holy trinity. Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or the Spirit. The Lord God is a trinity. And what you see there going on in verse uh, 13 is exactly what the devil loves to do. And what the devil loves to do, let me just turn this off. What the, de what the devil loves to do, the devil, devil loves to mimic God. The devil has his own church, the devil has his own ministers, the, de the devil loves to mimic God. So what you have going on there is you got, you got the dragon, you got the antichrist, the beast, you got an unholy trinity going on there, the false prophet. See the unholy trinity? That's an unholy trinity going on there. I, I pointed out to you that in, in the scripture we said, we, we showed what the angel said to God, only you are holy. Talking about the Lord God. And you got an unholy trinity going on there. Where's my other? So Israel has an image. And you need to, if you remember anything about this service this morning, remember this, God doesn't work in images. He doesn't work in images. How does God work? God works in words. You've got a, you got a book in front of you, don't you? In the beginning was the word. It wasn't in the beginning was the picture. In the beginning was the word. Jesus Christ said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning letter of the Greek alphabet. I'm the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He says, I'm the A to the Z. God works in words, not in images. So watch out for those images, brothers and sisters. But if you take these two and combine them, if you take these two and combine them, what do you got there? That's the Star of David. What is that? That's what Israel uses as their symbol. Y'all seen that symbol before? Star of David? That's like a mark of the beast. That's a mixture. You take this, the unholy, and the holy, and you're mixing it together. That's God's people and the devil mixing together in Israel right now. And it's not going to be straight until Jesus Christ comes back. 
I told y'all on the number of the beast to watch out for that number. Look at this. One, two, three, four, five, six. Right? It's a six-pointed star. What's in the middle there? One, two, three, four, five, six, six. What's on the inside? What, how, many, how many? One, two, three, four, five, six. That stuff's everywhere. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back really soon. And the devil's fingerprints on everything. But when he comes back, he's going to straighten all this out. Well, all that will be left is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You're looking at the back of a $1 bill. What do you got? You got the all-seeing eye of Lucifer. Right? Jesus Christ is said to be the head of the corner. He's the headstone, but he's the head of the corner. There's only one building that could be where, you, where he could be the head and the corner, and that is a pyramid. That's why on the back of every $1 bill is Satan trying to take Jesus Christ's place. Jesus Christ's place is there. At the head. He's the head. He's the corner, and he's the head. He's the Father, he's the Son, and he's the Holy Spirit. All three in one. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the Internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath 
of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.